0: This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot slash operate dash differently.
1: Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription that gets you access to all of our news information and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you go to autonews.com daily drive promo to redeem welcome to daily drive for wednesday september 13th 2023 i'm jamie butters executive
2: editor of automotive news and i'm Callan walker today on the show we're joining you from the floor of the detroit auto show we'll talk about ford's latest offer to the uaw which CEO Jim Farley calls the most generous proposal in 80 years. The UAW may strike targeted auto plans if no deal is reached before tomorrow's deadline. And we'll tell you about several vehicles revealed here at the Detroit Auto Show. Plus, we'll hear from Edmunds Executive Director of Insights, Jessica Caldwell, about what she's seeing here at Detroit's Huntington Place.
3: Walking around the Jeep stand, it did feel like these vehicles look, I mean, almost classy, a lot of them. <laughs> and that's not, I feel, it's not that Jeep is not a classy brand, but it's sort of, you know, supposed to be the tough, the off-road, freedom-type brand. And it feels like, I think, having Gladiator kind of go there and, you know, say be very purposely off-road and be positioned that way is going to help lift the overall brand.
2: Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Ford said its latest
1: contract proposal to the UAW includes a number of union priorities. A four-day work week is not among them. CEO Jim Farley talked about the company's latest offer on Tuesday night. We put an offer in today that's our most generous offer in 80 years at the UAW and Ford. Pay increases, elimination of tiers, inflation protection, five weeks of vacation, 17 paid holidays, bigger contributions for retirement. So it's a significant, significant enhancement. Still optimistic that we'll get a deal, but there is a limit because we have to protect for the future investments and the profitability of the company funds those. Farley said the automaker is not bending to all of the union's demands and it won't support a four-day work week. He said Ford is ready for a strike, but he hopes it does not come to that. Farley told reporters he's met at the table with UAW President Sean Fain. Farley also said negotiating teams are working around the clock to reach a deal before the deadline. UAW's contracts with the Detroit 3 expire tomorrow night at 11.59.
2: The UAW may opt to strike targeted auto plants if it fails to reach new contracts with the Detroit 3 before the deadline. That's according to reporting from Reuters. Fane has vowed to call strikes at General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis if no deal is reached when the current labor contracts expire. Sources briefed on the matter said the UAW is considering initially targeting only some specific plants for work stoppages at the Detroit 3 automakers. They added the strike plan could still change. Targeting strategic plants could quickly force automakers to halt U.S. production and could extend the time before the UAW's $825 million strike fund is exhausted.
1: Switching gears, Ford believes its F-150 pickup could soon become the top-selling hybrid model. Ford Blue President Kumar Galhotra made the prediction Tuesday at the Automotive News Congress.
4: I can see a time where uh,
1: F-150 in near future becomes the the number one hybrid vehicle by volume. Later Tuesday, the automaker kicked off the Detroit Auto Show by unveiling a freshened 2024 F-150. It includes hybrid, tremor, and Raptor variants with new design elements and improved tailgate functionality and it will start at $38,565, including shipping. Ford is in the midst of an effort to quadruple hybrid sales over the next
2: two years. Several other vehicles were unveiled at the Detroit Auto Show today. Cadillac revealed the 2025 CT5. The luxury brand hopes to attract younger buyers to the midsize sedan with updated exterior styling and the addition of more technology features. The freshened CT5 will enter production next spring, GMC unveiled the redesigned 2024 Acadia. It's getting roomier. GMC redesigned the three-row crossover to be more than 10 inches longer and three inches taller. And the 2024 Jeep Gladiator is getting a restyled grille and a larger touchscreen to command the upgraded infotainment system. And finally, an EY report says the US is
1: now ranked third in its readiness for an electric vehicle future. The U.S. rose from seventh place in 2022 because of new models, investment in battery manufacturing, and more affordable EVs. Regulation has played a key role in enhancing EV affordability. China and Norway took the top two spots. The nations are known for EV-friendly regulation and demand. The U.S. beat out the United Kingdom, Sweden,
2: Germany, and other sustainability leaders. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, we're here on the floor at the show. What has impressed you so far? Well, I'm glad to see there's a show uh, (laughs) that it actually came off.
1: Maybe it seemed uh, a little questionable at times uh, this year. You know, I think it's it's good to have the Detroit automakers out here doing their thing. I'd love to see some of the other brands come back, but uh, we'll take what we get. But, Kel, you're a little excited about this show.
2: I am, you know why? I do. Because Tesla's here. Now, they're not really here, but they're actually on the test drive track, so you can hop into a couple new Teslas. There's a bunch of other EVs also, Mm -hmm. which I think is pretty cool. That's I think one of my favorite features of all these auto shows are the test tracks. It Mm -hmm. gives you a chance to get in the car, get hands-on, and actually get the experience of the vehicle, which I think is awesome. Good consumer experience, for sure. Absolutely. Coming up, Edmonds, Jessica Caldwell and Automotive News GM reporter Lindsay Van Hulley Join us here on the floor of the Detroit Auto Show. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to
4: carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating, but is it
2: enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary
1: possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that.
4: Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all electric future, and I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is is like, but but we we don't. Spoiler alert! They came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.
0: economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were.
4: You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process deal jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better at outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently.
0: Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit rayray.com slash operate differently to get started. That's r slash operate dash differently.
1: Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. The Detroit Auto Show may not be what it was before the pandemic, but it's back for another year, and there's still an air of consequence in the hall as industry insiders and media gather at Detroit's Huntington Place. Although this year it might have more to do with the looming UAW contract deadline with Detroit 3 automakers than with product reveals and press announcements, we spoke about it here on the show floor at the Chevrolet stand with Jessica Caldwell, Director of Insights at Edmonds. We were also joined by Lindsey VanHooly, who covers General Motors for us at Automotive News. Here's a piece of our conversation. We did have a question from the audience that is on everyone's mind, and I don't want to get too uh, sidetracked to it, but they're asking, you know, what's the, what's the temperature in the room here on the strike, on the risk of a strike? Uh, we just had Mark Royce at our Automotive News Congress yesterday. He kind of sounded a little optimistic, almost.
5: Yeah, he basically told our, our audience that, you know, they're, they've made a lot of progress and, you know, the teams are really working on it and that, you know, his point was, you know, we want to be competitive, we're in the market to win. It's a more intense marketplace than it has been, but, you know, together, you know, together they can win in that marketplace. And so that's kind of the, the it was optimistic, I think, mm-hmm. but that's sort of the way that they're looking at it, that we're making progress. And I think all sides are really hoping for just that, that, that resolution that, that works for everybody
1: yeah i think that was the to me the big takeaway him stressing that they're getting closer and they're still working you know and that's i think all you can hope for you know with uh now 36 hours and <laughs> a little less say, than uh. 30 35 and a half hours left on the clock um but you know you think where they were you know the uaw was asking for raises in the mid 40 percent range uh, the automakers Met them a third of the way, came up to the mid-teens, so then the UAW, you know, being a little bit reasonable, came down to the 30s. You know, if the automakers can get up to the 20s, there's no reason they can't sit down and and bang it out. At least that would be the hope. Um, Jim Farley spoke last night after the F-150 reveal. He talked about, you know, four-day work week is not going to happen. Probably, uh, I think I feel comfortable saying that uh, defined benefit pensions aren't going to happen either, uh, but they could still come back. You know, reach a middle ground on pay. You know, I think I look at the UPS uh, negotiations where everyone thought there was going to be a strike. They ended up getting a uh, 25% raises, I think, and it passed uh, overwhelmingly. 85% voted for it. So I, I don't know. I feel like if they could get a number in the 20s and the high 20s, I, who's not going to vote for that? Uh, maybe maybe folks just want to itch for a fight. What are you hearing from people? I,
3: yeah, that's a tough one because um, I mean there's so many issues, you know. It's like obviously I think a lot of people think, "Oh, 25% reduc- uh, increase in salary. That sounds great." But you know, considering the laundry list of of I guess I guess I just feel like it's been so contentious and because we've seen we've seen UAW contracts many many times over the years and it feels like it's never been so so negative and I think that's what's the mm-hmm. I think that's what's giving us all pause because I think, yeah, maybe four years ago, eight years ago, yeah, twenty-five percent increase—that that's going to be no brainer. No brainer. (laughs) It's going to pass. It's not a problem. But now I'm not sure, especially considering the time is of the essence.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of a brainer in that you know they've seen big inflation, they've seen Mm -hmm. big profits at the automakers, they've seen CEO pay go up, and they've seen you know some of their own leaders you know go to prison and be you know on the take from either you know swiping union funds for their own use or letting you know the automakers you know give them gifts that they shouldn't and um, so uh, there's some hard hard feelings among the rank and file who are gonna have to vote on this uh, it'll be interesting if they can at least reach a tentative agreement to take it to the members and then see wh- what their what their views are
3: there's definitely a lot of stake that's for sure yeah I don't think anyone really really knows either
1: Uh, I think the people in the room don't really really know exactly so (laughs) um, you know we'll keep watching it and uh, very interesting it will be uh, it's a very big week and uh, we've got like we said we had our Congress yesterday we've got the auto show today and we've got the uh, contract expiring tomorrow at midnight so big week here Lindsay and uh, and all of us will be working our brains out uh, (laughs) (laughs) for as long as it takes that's right (laughs) okay let's get back to the cars for a little bit uh Lindsay, the GMC Acadia dude, the, the one true redesigned vehicle at this show very <laughs> exciting. what what what's new in there?
5: yeah, it's it's actually the same venue that they had debuted the the current version uh, several years ago, you know where it kind of shrunk in size. and it's, you know kind of that taking the three row to a smaller segment. and at the time they had um, sort of positioned it as sort of the heart of the market. and you know since then, you know have really heard from customers and from dealers that it was, space was just pretty tight, you know and and that the value was really in that roominess. And so they're they're taking it bigger. It's going to go back to the footprint that it used to have mm-hmm. uh, alongside the Chevy Traverse and the Buick Enclave. Um, it'll be built again in Lansing, Michigan, uh, where the Traverse and Enclave both are built as well. So it, it is going to get longer. It's going to get taller. Um, you know, they've got some, some more content as well in there. So that's really the big, you know, the fact that it's stretching back out again is really, uh, you know, the big the big piece, they've they've talked about, you know, just 80% more cargo space behind the third <laughs> row, which you know, makes a big difference when, when you've got a family and, you know, need, need to carry all that gear and, and all of that.
1: Yeah, having been a Traverse owner, I can say that you know, with the old design and the three rows and the space behind, it's a, you know, it's just a really useful size package. It's a fairly fuel economy, fuel efficient, and the Acadia is probably the best looking of all of those crossovers, uh, it kind of has just that GMC look is so clean.
5: Mm-hmm. Well, and Chevy's already shown um, the redesigned Traverse, right. so you know it's sort of that cadence I think that that we'll begin to see you know more updates you know from those three. Mm-hmm. You know the Acadia's had a strong year so far. You know sales are up about 63% in the first half of the year. So you know I'm kind of curious, Jessica, kind of what you think about it. You know, did the updates kind of move the needle? Is it necessary? Do you think to kind of bring that back to that larger size to really compete in that segment?
3: Yeah, I, be, I think people just Jamie mentioned in that in that segment they like the large vehicles. They don't want it to be smaller. There's a reason why they're buying a large SUV. I mean, you look at General Motors, what, what the Escalade does for Cadillac, what the um, you know the Yukon, the Tahoe, all of those are big SUVs, and that seems to be what that consumer wants. So, I think kind of bringing it back and giving folks a bit more space, I think makes makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's so many. SUVs available especially in the midsize segment so kind of having that truer larger uh, SUV and you know look what it's done for you know the Korean brands with the Telluride and the Palisades those Telluride's been a hit for Hyundai so I'm sorry for Kia rather but um, you know having that I think large vehicle that is that you know that truly with the three rows I think is something that you know people are looking for and there's there's limited options because if you you know don't go that way then you're in a minivan and a lot of folks are dead set against the minivan so um, I think that providing that space is important gives you know more options out there.
1: Yeah, that, that, whole, that whole trio, right? There's such a great minivan alternative minivan. <laughs> for, for the minivan-averse. You've come
5: up with their tagline, Jamie.
1: <laughs> That's right.
5: <laughs> well, and Jessica, you mentioned some of those, those other competitors. You know, since the Acadia was last redesigned, you know, more of those uh, rivals have come into that segment. So now mm-hmm. there is definitely more of that competition and that cross-shopping, if you will.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
1: Okay, uh, let's keep moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got some notes here on the Jeep Gladiator. I just walked mm-hmm. over and took a look at that one. Uh, of course, Vince Bond wrote about it for us at Auto News. Uh, the, he says the uh, Jeep Gladiator is getting a restyled grille and a larger touchscreen as well for its infotainment system. It really is just kind of uh, taking on what happened with the refresh of the Wrangler, right? Which they're their, their sibling vehicles. It's the pickup version of the Wrangler, so now the uh, Gladiator is getting its 12.3-inch screen uh, as it goes to the UConnect 5 infotainment platform. Um, you know, the Gladiator sales uh, fell, have fallen 29% so far this year. It's ranking fifth now, uh, down from third last year in its, uh, you know, compact midsize uh, pickup segment. Uh, you know, it's really dominated by the Toyota Tacoma. Um, so uh, have you did you get a chance to see the Gladiator? Do you have any thoughts on that one?
3: Yeah, I did. It seemed like they had a lot of uh, trim levels, too, that they were mm-hmm. showing off, uh, you know, as well, along with the, the some of the, the newer features. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Gladiator's a curious one, because when it was first introduced, I think that was back in 2018 at the L.A. show, I think it was, it was like, wow, this is going to be such a hit. And I think it was in the beginning, but it has definitely fallen flat. Like you had mentioned, just the, some of their sales numbers are not necessarily the best i know that when you look at how long those vehicles take to sell the gladiator actually a lot of the jeep brands to be honest it's, it's it's they're taking they take a while yeah. so i think kind of maybe a refresh getting back to jeeps more like true off-road heritage you know walking around the jeep stand it did feel like these vehicles look, I mean, almost classy, a lot of them. <laughs> and that's not, I feel, it's not that Jeep is not cl- a classy brand, but it's sort of, you know, supposed to be the tough, the off-road freedom yeah. type brand. And it feels like not the Wrangler, not the Gladiator, but some of the other ones, which is, you know, perhaps a bigger brand issue. But I think having Gladiator kind of go there and, you know, say be very purposefully off-road and be positioned that way is going to help the, lift the overall brand. Because it feels like right now, I don't think it has done as much for the brand as, as perhaps we thought a few years ago.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's, um, it, I do wonder, you do wonder if there's just sort of a limited market for a, a true off-road pickup like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And then maybe they've kind of satisfied those buyers yeah. for the most part. Um, but it's, it's still, it's a cool truck. It's a cool piece of engineering for sure.
3: Yeah. You look at it and you're just like, Oh, I really would like one. And then you're thinking <laughs> to yourself, why? Like,
1: <laughs> why do I really need that? In yeah. my head
3: I, I need one, but in reality <laughs> I absolutely do not, unfortunately. <laughs>
5: What's interesting is that there's been a lot of, um, just a lot of updates in that midsize pickup segment, you know, mm-hmm. Toyota and Ford and Chevy and GMC. I mean, they've all, you know, really updated um, all of their kind of entries there relatively recently. So it's interesting to see kind of how other brands are sort of approaching that, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Can anyone catch
3: Toyota in that segment? Oh, that Tacoma, I mean, yeah. look, just resale value alone, I mean, makes you want to own one.
1: It's a, it's a stalwart, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't expect anybody to, to catch up uh, with that. One thing I was like, it seems so odd to be at an auto show where none of the reveals are electric vehicles. Uh, it's just and so, Jessica, you've been doing some research on EVs and how they're doing in the market. More specifically, who is and who isn't buying them. Uh, what what did you find?
3: Yeah, interesting that we're not seeing a ton of EVs. It's like what year what year is this? <laughs> right, right.
1: What a throwback show.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we've just been looking into EVs it's sort of the motivation because we have seen there's been a lot of talk about EVs. You know, sales slowing a little bit. It's like, has that, um, just like with uh, the Gladiator, has that initial wave of folks been satisfied? And is it, you know, everybody to go mass market yet? So we kind of wanted to take a, uh, you know, just a a look at uh, different genders, how genders are approaching EVs um, and did see that there is quite a difference, which is really important as we look towards the future as automakers position their EVs, they market them, they communicate about them because men and women feel very differently about Mm. electric vehicles. I mean, in fact, I'd say categorize men as being more open into EVs. They're more excited. They more, more They like EVs. They're, I would say, more into vehicle brands, whereas women, I think, tend to be a bit more pragmatic. They're looking at things. They're looking at everything, but I would say that, more importantly, they're looking at price, at range, um, you know, those type of things. And one thing that is that has come up just, I'd say, within the past week, um, which we looked at in our survey, was that more women were open to hybrids and plug-in hybrids. And I think that that really is important because they're often overlooked as we push towards battery electric and sort of considered, oh, that's sort of old technology now. But a lot of folks don't feel like early adopters. They want something that's maybe that step between the ICE vehicle that they're driving today and the battery electric and not ready to kind of leap into that. So hybrid kind of positions itself quite well as, you know, as that vehicle. So maybe that is a lot of people's, next vehicle and maybe the next next vehicle can be a battery electric but it feels like a lot of automakers have, you know in the past few years have sort of overlooked that segment and
1: it's some of the some of the reason behind it maybe that that the evs that were offered first have <laughs> been you know the model s and uh expensive uh expensive <laughs> yeah. fat you know cars are yeah. really are about being fast maybe right. stylish you know the hummer ev is a very masculine you know uh, target Um, Is that maybe skew some of it?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think when you're asking People about price points. Women definitely are looking for an EV that starts at a lower price point than men. Men are kind of the. You see the distribution fairly even. A lot of them want very expensive ones, probably you know Lucid and that, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Right, right. Um, whereas women most want one under forty thousand dollars. So I think that definitely plays a role into it, especially when you look at hybrid price points. And then hybrid, the you know where the product segment is naturally. I mean, you look at the big ones, the Rav4, the CRV, the Prius. Those mm-hmm. are you know those are more I'd say pragmatic choices that have been historically popular, more popular with uh, female consumers, especially the compact crossover segment. Mm-hmm.
1: Jessica Caldwell is Director of Insights at Edmunds and Lindsay Holey covers GM for us at Automotive News. We spoke during a live event on LinkedIn today from the floor of the Detroit Auto Show. You can see our full conversation on the Automotive News LinkedIn page. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie
2: Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer and Alicia Anderson. Today's episode includes reporting from Michael Martinez, Lindsey Van Hulley, Vince Bond Jr., and Molly Boygon. You can get the latest news on new models, the UAW Detroit 3 negotiations, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with General Motors President Mark Royce. If you
1: enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.